Anyway, um, you know, if you're going to have a chihuahua, you need to name it Bruiser. You got it. I mean, you, I mean it's I, got a tough personality anyway. It, it, that is a tough personality chihuahua. I have to agree. Most chihuahuas are tough personality. We, you know what? I don't know if Bruiser... Napoleon a, complex. Big, for sure. big thing. For sure. It's hard to know if Bruiser was a diva on set. You know, we don't have access to that information. Behind-the-scenes stuff. Good performance. I need the Bruiser commentary. Mm. Yeah. Of the, the, of the strays I've recently picked up, the most recent is oh, a, no. is there a new one? chihuahua oh, okay. mix. No, no, not a new one. This, uh, yeah, this is just about Patches. And since Patches is part Pitbull as this, well You as, have a new dog? Uh, well, I've had him for about a year and a half I now. I didn't know yeah, this. Yeah, I picked him up. It was straight on the side of the road. Uh, so it's a Pitbull Chihuahua mix. It is. And That's unholy. It, it is. <laughs> it, 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 whatever, you're, whatever you're picturing, do it a little funnier, and you're there. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, so How much does this dog weigh? This dog probably weighs maybe 30 pounds. Okay. Yeah. That's sort of, I was kind of A little smaller like than Giles. Splitting smaller the difference. Smaller than Giles, yeah. Okay. Uh, and he is... Kind of bulldog-sized? Yeah. Bulldog-sized yeah, okay. is a good size for him. And so he, and he's all muscle. Mm-hmm. So he has this bizarre thing where he has the Chihuahua's sort of size thing, you know, where it doesn't pick a lot of fights, but it doesn't have the Chihuahua's little man complex either. And so this is the chillest dog I've ever owned in my life. It's this bizarre animal. You got the best traits of both dogs somehow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very very funny. Nice. Yeah, you're lucked out because that could have been like a really aggressive, annoying dog. It could have been. It yeah. could have been. He was he was half starved on the side of the road. It was very sad. Um, that is very sad. Yeah, I washed maybe an acre of dirt out of him when I. Could. God, <laughs> he was a mess. But uh, and then my daughter named him Patches because we patched him up. Yeah. Do you have anybody else at home right now, animal wise? Uh, just Watson. Just Watson still hanging on. Yeah, Watson's still around. So nice. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, hello everybody, welcome again to the Good Trash Dogcast, yeah. where we talk about dogs and sometimes the movies they're I'd in. I'd watch it. Yeah. I'd listen to it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It'd, it'd, well, look, when you're not in somebody's home every week recording with them, you forget what their dog situation well, is. Well, we no longer have Roscoe the Howling. Yeah, I knew Roscoe was <laughs> no longer with us, God. R.I.P. Who, really? Somebody who ended up on a, a lot of time on this show. <laughs> he got, a lot wait, of airtime Roscoe got. A lot, lot of guest appearances from old Roscoe. Less uh, than Giles, surprisingly. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but we are the Good Trash Genre Cast, and we're here to talk about all the films you'll never discuss in a film space course. This week's film is a host pick, Patreon pick, Patreon and a post pick. I, I, I meant you have a host pick coming up. I, I do, but I, I don't know why I said it either way. My mind is broken. I mean that we're having a Patreon pick from Doctor Becca. Um, does she panic? Does she Stewart? Panic Stewart. She, panic Stewart. She's hyphenated. She's a hyphenate. Don't dox my wife well, on the I, show. I, I, I didn't. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm nobody listens Awkward. to this. I'm sorry. And you can go find her writings if you want. You know, she wrote in college. You yeah, find her work. Doctor Wife of uh, of of one of our co-hosts uh, <laughs> is uh, the picker of the film. We love you, Becca. Thank you so much. And she is uh, picked for us, Legally Blonde, starring one Reese Witherspoon and a Luke Wilson, among and, others, and, and, and some wow. others. Yeah. And, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I wonder um, how he'd look as a blonde. It's a well, funny joke. Yeah, that's good. I'm still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton. And in case you're tuning in for the very first time, this is an analysis show, not a review show. And that therefore means there will be spoilers. If you are curious about how Legally Blonde ends, uh, if there was mystery in your life. Uh, Do, I, is Elle Woods going to succeed as a Harvard Law student? We're going to tell you. Uh, yeah, we are. But we're going to wait uh, in case you don't know and maybe want to listen to this part of the show and make up your mind as to whether or not you're going to go ahead in case you and don't know the that film. there's a sequel to this film <laughs> oops uh so with that uh what we'll do is a synopsis which will be spoiler free we'll do thumbs up thumbs down reviews which will be very very spoiler light then we'll move on to a little part of the show we like to call expanding the syllabus in which there could be some spoilers more likely of other films uh surrounding this film than the film itself but you never know there's a, a little bit of trepidation in those waters and then there's music that plays to let you know that we've gotten down to business that business being analysis and that's when all spoiler bets are off and that's not trepidation my friends that is a tsunami of spoilers coming your way i did trouble waters and somehow the metaphor hung on yeah you you made it work i don't know why anyway arthur do you have a synopsis for us sure garfunkel (laughs) garfunkel simon and garfunkel simon oh oh, hello darkness my old friend I just thought you were saying he sounded like a folk singer, which, yes, he did. (laughs) When her boyfriend breaks up with her in an effort to be more serious about his life and career, Elle Woods seeks to prove him wrong by going where no blonde has gone before. Harvard Law. That's right. That's right, your listener. That is the movie. Very, very good. We're going to do quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. What do you think about Clueless Goes to Law School, Arthur? Uh, Malibu Barbie Goes East uh, is a good time. I laugh quite a bit. Uh, It's... 
fun to remember a time when movies were movies and not content. Uh, and you had movie stars uh, who did them. Uh, Reese Witherspoon is just super adorable. Just absolutely knocks it out of the park. Charisma, charm, wit. She's so fun. Uh, I love her. She's just a blast. Um, and so this is, you know, what, three years, four years, two years, four years prior to uh, winning an Oscar, which yeah. is a fun little bit. Um, so yeah, she's, she's a good time to watch. And so to see her kind of breaking out, uh, I enjoyed that. I, I think it's fun. It's an easy watch. Uh, I, I like this kind of high concept comedy. We just don't see, I mean, we've kind of talked ad nauseum in the past about the death of the studio comedy and these sorts of mid tier genre pictures that, uh, mostly find themselves on streaming now in some form or format. Uh, and so I enjoy it. Luke Wilson, you know, we get the lesser Wilson, uh, here. Uh, just kidding. Luke's fun. Uh, I, I, it's just kind of funny, you know. Owen, who is Owen the the superior I don't Wilson? Know. He's I, the is, one you, that works the more. He know? is the one that works more. And you said it, and I was like, yeah, that sounds right to me. But now I'm like, well, I do like Luke Wilson a lot. I, do, I mean, he's got the same affable charm that Owen does. But mm-hmm. yeah, Owen's got the, the the broken nose and the the blonde hair look. More striking. And, yeah, yeah. Just, the, the the much more imitable accent. Luke's or, just a little tall and dopey. Yeah, Luke is like way more conventionally handsome, and that yeah. kind of robs him of some character actor charm. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, I like them. Uh, I, I like the supporting cast here. I, I think there's, you know, a lot of fun. Uh, we get some, some, uh, Selma Blair who gets a good turn. Yeah. It's Victor Garber. Victor Garber shows yeah. up. Um, why can I not think of her name for life of me? Oh, uh, uh from white Lotus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I could think of her name before <laughs> you Jennifer, Jennifer Coolidge. Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Uh, we got it. Uh, like, I, we I, mind melded. I think this is the movie that <laughs> put like, her the on the map. I was like, the girl from Boston show. I was the same thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. for a lot of people, this was kind of the, the movie. I think that, put her on their radar at a certain time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Comedy heads already in the know because yeah. the Christopher guest stuff. Yeah. But I think you're right. This is like and a she, brain she mainstream broad big yeah. time in this movie. And she just steals her. She's so fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's what this movie is for me. It is. There's no scene in this movie where I'm like, I don't, I think everybody in this cast, everybody on this movie is having fun. Mm-hmm. Like it's just joy is just mm-hmm. seeping off the, the screen in a way you don't often see uh, that little, the bend and snap moment at the salon is just fun. Like it almost becomes like this uh, musical, musical number yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it's so cute. And like, it just seems like one of those improv things that everybody was just goofing off on the set kind of a thing. And you know, it probably was orchestrated There's blocking you know, to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But it does. It felt it's organic. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally. There's just saying. a heart and earnesty to this movie that I admire and really enjoy. I mean, it's, up there with you know the Sandler comedies in the nineties. I mean, it's in that kind of same vein. Is it super well made? I don't know, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, we get young Linda Cardellini, uh, who gets a, a, a fun little bit. Yeah, We've got some uh, a Raquel Welch appearance mm-hmm. uh, for a bit, and so all those things work together. I do think there's one too many little twists uh, towards the end. I think the Victor Garber thing is a bridge too far. Like it felt unnecessary. I think you can get to that outcome differently. That just it, it didn't feel like it was set up or forecasted in any way. And so for that to take place, it just felt like we needed a conflict for conflict's sake. When I think Allie Larder, uh, speaking of Allie Larder, I love Allie Larder. Yeah. So it's fun to see her show up here and her character. And, you know, the connection with Elle Woods is a lot of fun, too. Um, But I think there's a way to get to that outcome that they got to without that subplot. Which is kind of like heavy material. Yeah. yeah. And it just really does kind of left field. Like... That's yeah. the one thing where I'm like, I would cut that, it tighten it up to almost exact 90 minutes probably, and just go on with my life. Yeah, it needs her and Vivian to not be friends yet, you know? Yeah. It needs them to have a misunderstanding of some kind. You're right, it yeah. very much feels like a function of the screenplay. Yeah, and so I, I think barring that, I think it's just a good time. I enjoy watching it. I laughed quite a bit. I really bought into, you know, Elle's experience and her, I'll show you that I'm not dumb, is just really fun. Uh, and I, I think because of Reese Witherspoon and the cast that's assembled here, it just comes together in a really strong way. Um, and I enjoyed it. So really solid response for me. Dalton, what do you think of legally blonde? I'm, I'm right there with you, man. This is fun. Yeah. I, I used to watch this movie a lot. Uh, this was uh, on heavy rental rotation for my sister and I, uh, back in our trips to blockbuster in the, in the aughts. And yeah, I, I, this, it held up. It was really fun to revisit. It was nice. You know, you go into an aughts movie expecting there to be some moments where you go, Ooh, boy. Ooh, yeah. uh, and by and large, 
you know, not a lot of those. There's a couple. You know, there's one kind of major issue that we'll probably talk about when we get into analysis that uh, a plot point kind of hinges on some stereotypes that are not the most useful in the world. <laughs> but apart from that, the movie hey. kind of it's it's a funny bit. It's very of the time. I we'll talk about it. I, I think the last requel opportunity. I I also think it's kind of a cheap shot, but I think I think everyone ends up laughing on the other side of that joke. Well, and I think to Arthur's point, this movie is Elwood's incarnate, right? Like it it takes its its central characters kind of joie de vivre and her like general philosophy and, and ingrains it within the film. Like it it very much is like an expression of it. it's a character centric comedy. And it takes that lead character and really does build a movie around a performance and a persona. Uh, and as you said, I will talk, you know, uh, I'm going to spoil it. We all know what we're doing next week already. And we'll talk more next week about kind of star making turns. Mm -hmm. And this really is like we talked about when we did Cruel Intentions that like Reese Witherspoon is already a movie star in that movie. Mm -hmm. And then and this she just yeah, it's, there's just so much charm, as you said. It's hard to deny the inevitable. Yeah. It seems just so much charisma mm -hmm. uh, and, and really just very funny. Great face work from her throughout the film, really pulling some some kind of goofy looks uh, and just imbuing this character with believability and earnestness, as you said, and. You know, making a character who's very intelligent but is not defined by their intelligence is, is sort of like interested in other aspects of themselves. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. The, the ways in which it, this. Because she's not like a genius, but she knows if she studies and works hard, she can do it. I mean, she gets a damn near, yeah, one one point shy of a perfect score on her LSAT, yeah. which is so such a good. Like, it's hard. <laughs> such a good moment. Such a good line. <laughs> such a good line. You're right. You're right, L. It is not hard to get into Harvard. <laughs> you got the right last name and the right bank account. Yeah. Uh, and that's, I think this, you know, I, I watched, uh, I, there's a, a lot of video essays on Linkly Blonde, and I didn't get to as many of them as I would have liked to have, uh, just because uh, of the turnaround on. on production wise but it's kind of an interesting one about class that i've been thinking about a lot and just sort of how l woods is like new money rich like clearly she's rich i mean she drives a porsche she's yeah, she's west coast rich exactly she's not he's, old money she's not rich. east coast rich exactly yeah. and like sort of the ways in which this film kind of plays around with the variations within upper stratas of class like it's mm -hmm. kind of kind of interesting in that regard uh, there's you know there's just a lot going on under the surface here mm -hmm. you know a lot of interesting stuff about gender expectations uh about people's assumptions about gender presentation uh whether it's you know the vivian character or uh the l character um there's there's stuff going on in the costuming and and the way these characters are treated by the other characters in the film that's uh, like you know kind of interesting thought-provoking stuff for a studio comedy uh, and again as arthur said it's just fun to go revisit those because we don't get them very often and is it you know shot with anything resembling vision no not really it's a pretty conventionally shot like boringly lit movie mm -hmm. but you know it's competently made and at the very least you can see what's going on and uh just weird where the tastes are lighting wise. A lot of good threads these days about weird lighting conventions going on, sort of the, the dark digital lighting that we, we are all subject to these days. And to see something like at the end of the film era, be so crisply lit in every single scene. It's just, oh my God, jarring. Almost. Have, you seen, have you seen the, uh, the, the 80s tweet? No. It's, it's something to the extent of like, uh, you know, cinema, uh, lighting today is so dull. You could watch uh, cinematography is so dull today. Uh, you could watch some random schlock from the eighties starring the two Corys, and it looks like it's shot by freaking Michael Mann. <laughs> yeah, it's. Hey, look, you know, there's something to be said for for film stock. It does, you know, do a lot of the work for you. It's digital Correct. can be harder in in some ways, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's it's just it's competently made. The jokes land. Mm -hmm. Uh, it never really feels like it's, you know, mean spirited in its jokes, which can be a, a problem with this era of comedy, especially like it's well, even, you know, dorky Danny, as he's credited, uh, mm -hmm. gets a fun little bit of mm -hmm. yeah. restitution. Oz Perkins is so funny. He's in this such movie. a hoot. Yeah. I, I like mean, the character, too. I think it's fun. The fact yeah. that this guy's going to go on to direct just some absolute gonzo art house horror stuff is so funny. Yeah. And show up in maybe one of the, the biggest, most a blockbuster avant-garde horror movie called nope as a director <laughs> yeah, yeah like great love the, love love that career for you oz perkins a nepo baby that i stand by <laughs> uh yeah fun movie dustin what do you think about legally blonde does this work as it does well? the jokes are funny yeah uh, it's I mean, cute it, it, and it's it is i mean the tongue is thoroughly placed in the cheek and it is again sending up 
everybody it's sending up in in a way that's never ever mean spirited. And I, I we were we were mentioning a joke and a plot point that turns on something here, and we'll talk more about this in a little while. But that that no matter who is sort of being made fun of. Unless you're an absolutely, uh, there are some terrible people that are being made fun of. So obviously the boyfriend is is pretty awful. Uh, the ex husband is uh, pretty awful, and so there are right. there are a couple places where those people are definitely made to look as heels. But even then, it's not like cruel to them. It's just it's sort of like comeuppance mm, the way sure. it sort of plays out. It's just like yeah, yeah. you get what you get. Yeah, but it's not like again sort of torturously. You know, I want to kill you and I want to do it slowly. Um, the kind of skewering that you sometimes find in satire. And it, it never goes that direction with it. I think uh, costuming is very fun, uh, the way in which characters are indicated. Dude, the costumes in this movie. Uh, again, and not just Reese Witherspoon's um, wardrobe, which is fantastic. Sure. I mean, obviously, the Malibu Barbie jokes all apply uh, to that stuff. But the ways in which we know where Selma Blair is, we know where uh, the various faculty members are kind of coming mm-hmm. from, and just the indicators of uh, the various people we find in the salon. It's just everything is just really well thought out mm-hmm. and just a good time uh, all the way through. I think the needle drops are fine, too. I mean, I yeah. think the music is, you know, it, it, it's not obtrusive. I'm... Arthur and I have talked about needle drops quite a bit lately. It's been kind of a thing lately, and and sometimes they are obtrusive. But I'm like, no, there's some pop music being used here, but it's always fine, and yeah. it just sort of dates the film more than anything. I don't know outside of the opening and closing song, uh, "Perfect Day," mm-hmm. that I could tell you another song in this movie, though. Yeah, and I think it speaks to that idea. That's of, my point. Yeah, is yeah. It, is it, they're, they're always sort of like perfectly integrated. Yeah. they stay out of the way. Yeah. They're nothing that's like too big of a pop hit. That's kind of there to just underscore the mood, or whatever. which is yeah. something you'll see come up and say like. A criticism of Yellow Jackets is like they're always like using the A side on that show. Mm-hmm. And I think for a lot of needle drops, it's like maybe go for the deeper cut and you'll be distracting the audience a little less. I think so. Yeah. Uh, have you watched that Patrick Willems video on needle drops yet? No, not me either. I, I, I was wondering if I'd send it to you or not, because I know we, we've been talking about needle drops a lot yeah. ever since we did that Shrek episode yeah, it's just yeah. in our yeah. minds. Yeah. In yeah. crazy ways. And again, it continues to be in my mind. And this movie does not commit the sins. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in a very, very uh, effective kind of way. And it does feel like very much a companion piece to uh, Amy Heckerling's Clueless, a movie I really have a lot of affection for. Yeah. It is for the share goes to, goes to law school. I don't know if you'll remember this, though. We got a little hate for you not being effusive enough about Clueless. I know, yeah. I know. And it's growing on me a little bit more, but it's 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 it, re- it remains a good time. I say hate, push back. Push back. Yeah. And, I, and I still push back a little on Clueless, but I think I prefer Legally Blonde. Damn dog, I think I do too. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think this is a better time. No, no shade to Alicia Silverstone. No, none at all. None at all. None at all. But it's. It, I think it's a good time, and it's a good film, and uh, I'm glad we had the opportunity to watch it. Thanks again, Becca. You're the best. Yeah. Uh, let's move on, then, to the next part of our show, which is called Expanding the Syllabus, and I believe this week, Arthur is going to tell us what that's all about. I can do that. Expanding the Syllabus is a thought experiment wherein we, the host, we're going to assemble an academic course, maybe a module within the course, uh, based around the assigned viewing for the week and adjacent text. That could be books, articles, films. Uh, stories, video games, uh, tweets, I don't know. Uh, whatever helps accent uh, what, what the is, lesson of the week. What is content? What is words? What is ideas? What is media? What is art? What is what? Arthur, what is your syllabus? <laughs> uh, I'm thinking about, about the high concept script. Uh, I, I use uh, Save the Cat as a screenwriting text, yeah. which is really all about this, right? The idea of the high concept script, which gets a couple of different definitions if you go deep diving into the idea. Uh, one is, you know, high concept thinking, big, heady, thinky type stories um, and or, or inception, for example, mm-hmm. some might describe as high concept. But more studio wise, it's often uh, referring to movies that are uh, typically have some sort of high contrast uh, s- uh, s- story that can be summed up in like one sentence. And so Malibu Barbie goes to Harvard Law mm-hmm. is, you know, kind of the idea here with Legally Blonde. Uh, and it's also not something we see very often anymore. Uh, as we've moved more towards uh, the big blockbuster tentpole model and away from the sort of studio heavy uh, genre ideas of the 80s and 90s, we don't get as many big high concept stories I don't think anymore and so we're gonna look at some uh, that I think are fun uh, starting with Three Men and a Baby yes which uh, nice. yes. made bank I uh, just watched this uh, first time for a few months ago and just had a lot of fun and it is what if three bachelors got stuck with a kid 
and comedy ensues. Hilarious. And drug deals, apparently. <laughs> directed <laughs> by no. directed by Leonard Nimoy of Star Trek fan. Yeah, wild. Uh, man, and just makes so much money. Um, I, I like to think of Alien here as well, which is just, uh-huh. what if Jaws, but in space? And it works uh, very well. Um, heavyweights, which is very silly and goofy. Um, but what if, you know, an overbearing exercise uh, uh, conglomerate bought a fat camp and tortured all the kids and took their candy? Where's it Ben Stiller played that character twice? Yeah, it is. Because uh, he comes back for a dodgeball. Yeah. With, I uh, missed that movie. Yeah, it's, uh, it is a... A hoot and a holler. Never sold the heavyweights? Nope. Yeah, that makes sense. You're a little older than Arthur and I. Yeah, that's heavy in that rotation in like early 90s. Big spate of the Disney kids 90s movies with the, the, the Mighty Ducks yeah, and the Sandlot, Big Green. Which isn't yeah. Disney, I don't think. But, the, but kind of that same style, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I saw the Sandlot and I saw Mighty Ducks, but yeah, I missed this one. Yeah, it was in, I mean, Tom and Huck. I mean, is that... They had that like Ke- they had uh, that stable Kel Tom- of, in it, right? Yeah, not Ke- Cal Keenan. Keenan Thompson's in it, right? But they had like that stable of yeah. child actors that they just rotated through all of these movies. Yeah, because mm. a lot of them show up in the Mighty Ducks as well. Yeah, or the sequels. Uh, we look at Ghostbusters. What if yes. ghosts exist? Sure. And what if we busted them? <laughs> uh, Groundhog Day. What would life be like to just relive the same day over and over again? Uh, the Truman Show. Uh, and I think we'd talk about that for a while and look at kind of where this begins to fade out around the turn of 2000. And we probably may have to get into some 9-11 stuff and studio stuff. Uh, And then we kind of start to look at the last couple of years where we kind of see some of these things coming back. And I think the big two uh, this year, which I haven't seen yet, and I don't know how good they are, but they're definitely in the vein, uh, are Mafia Mama, starring Tony Collette. Sure. And 65, starring Adam Driver, nice. uh, which are both oh, of the uh, yeah, same yeah, style of, you know, time traveler gets stuck in the past to fight dinosaurs. That's mm-hmm. an easy idea to sell and market. Or uh, unwitting wife finds out she's related to the mafia or I, whatever. I want to bow down before the excellence of your syllabus first and foremost. Well done. I uh, really enjoyed that. But I, I have some questions about high concept, just to sort of thread through the definition a little bit. Um, for my understanding, and also for the entertainment of the dear listener, horror movies. Are horror movies by definition high concept most of the time? I, I wouldn't say most of the time. I think Halloween's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Black Christmas tra- pretty straightforward. Okay, well, so that's a slasher, but I'm, I'm thinking... But I think when you start getting into more art house type stuff... Or, well, even, even well, Nightmare like, on Elm Street, or pretty knock high at concept. The ca- yeah. knock, knock at the Cabin is... Yeah, that's pretty high concept. High concept. Sure. And I, I'm Megan, you know, I'm just going through some of the recent ones that came yeah. out. Even the Evil Dead movies yeah. are fairly high concept, right? Yeah. It's, uh, let's do Evil Dead in an apartment building. Let's do, yeah. it, you know... Yeah, interesting. I, I'm just... I, mean, you'd ha- I think it is typically genre that relies on... But horror is really the only genre that still plays as a, as a genre. Yeah, we don't have rom coms anymore, or yeah. just even just broad sort of studio yeah. comedies. And so I was just I was thinking about what your list was saying, and I'm like, I totally agree with that. But I'm like, we do see a, a place, a space for that, and that might just only be horror. But yeah. and I was just wondering, to what extent is it the de rigueur of horror? Is this just what we do? Yeah, you know, uh, as opposed to the exception, it, it seems like maybe more often question. than not that horror is probably going to qualify as your yeah. high concept script yeah mm-hmm. okay. i mean because as quickly as i gave you two that were like definitely not there's a bunch that almost certainly are yeah I mean, you could say i mean it's really the outliers that yeah. aren't yeah but usually high con low concept is going to be more your mumblecore or your mm. dramas or you know things that can't mm-hmm. be defined easily within a sentence or two yeah i mean you know there will be blood what is that about uh oil <laughs> <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. But you know what I mean, though? I was yeah, like, I got you. Get well, I was about to ask Arthur, speaking of recent films, what about uh, something like Tar, a film that we all like a lot? I mean, you can't really sum yeah. that film yeah. up. That's a drama that kind of verges on high concept because of sort of its itness. Yeah. You could maybe, a you know, the, the a year in the life of a troubled composer. Yeah. yeah. But that doesn't really tell you anything about a, a comp- or a conductor's fall from grace, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Can, you can sort of go like one sentence it a little bit maybe, but Yeah. It's it's, it's yeah. much tougher to do with drama in general. Yeah. Okay, very good. I, I I'm very very fascinated with it. I love the idea of high concept, but I've always sort of a little baffled by it. So, thank you. I think most people are because there's like 400 definitions for that it. That checks out yeah. 100%. So, Dalton, do you come prepared with the syllabus as well? Did you do your homework? Mostly. Okay. <laughs> uh, I could have done more, but I, oh, oh, there's always more homework to be done. You're, are you apologizing? <laughs> truth. Yeah. Uh, uh, 100% truth. What happened was um, a dragon stopped me on the way to class. 
uh, and I had to answer its riddles. Um, did you know Probably that not. Harvard is closed for commercial shooting? Period. Full stop. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Yeah. Did Good you know that them. the Harvard Crimson can't stop writing about all the times they've been in movies? I looked for movies take, taking place on Harvard and not does less. Does Hollywood live in their head rent free? A fucking A, it does. I got no <laughs> less than two Harvard Crimson articles when I'm trying to look at movies set at Harvard. This is a class about movies at Harvard. Okay. I'm interested in not just the institution of the Ivy League, but as somebody who went to a third-rate state commuter school, I'm very fascinated in the premium put upon sort of, uh, let's say, legacy uh, higher education and where better to start than another fish out of water story about uh the old harvard yard how high starring method man and red man <laughs> <laughs> a comedy central classic uh from my youth film that i like a great deal Did you guys have you guys seen this movie <laughs> i think when i was in high school yeah. i just yeah. i think if i'm not mistaken there's a moment with i think it's method where he just has this, like this massive collection of hats is that a thing i think that's right i'm Thinking of remember. them smoking Ben Franklin uh, is, is a thing that happens. Anyway. I'm pretty sure I watched it when it was on yeah. TV once when I was a kid. I'm also going to say I failed to see this one. Yeah, this is one that I caught a lot. This is I I didn't learn about Method Man and Red Man from Wu Tang. I, I learned about it from <laughs> How High. Yeah, because of my how because of how old I am. Uh, yeah, I think that's a very funny movie though, and I think interesting. But uh, of course, we look at sort of more conventional fare, like Goodwill Hunting. You know, sort of a kind of a classic Harvard movie or a modern classic Harvard movie i think love story takes place at harvard For some i reason, don't give a shit about that movie is at mit in my head i know uh, right other i forgot I, I yeah, yeah, when harvard, I looked, though, huh? yeah exactly huh. i also thought it was like mit or you know stanford even though i know california is where he goes at the end of the movie like mm. that's what was in my head uh prozac nation i didn't realize it was a harvard story you know i just knew that about a movie about depression but specifically about a first year at harvard mm. and and kind of coping with sort of the issues cropping up because of that um 21 the story of a bunch of harvard uh card counters i think an interesting and fun movie i worked at the theater when that one came out so i have a little affection for that movie mm-hmm. uh and of course sort of i found one of maybe one of the most famous harvard movies the social network mm. um again all of these films kind of Doing different things with which is there one that I'm forgetting? No, I misremember Harvard all the time because yeah. I, I would have told if you'd asked me, I'd have said the social network was set at Yale. No, I to, I mean, this, they're all the same. They're all the Spoiler same. Spoiler alert. <laughs> they are. They are all the same. But anyway, go and ahead. And I'd hate to hear that. I don't give a shit. I don't care that Cornell's the worst Ivy or whatever. The uh, yeah, I, I've been re- starting rewatching some of The Office and Andy. Is like a Cornell graduate, and they're constantly roasting him about where'd you go to school. <laughs> That's so funny. That is very funny. Yeah, I, th- it's just sort of an interesting, uh, like culture built up around these institutions. Yeah. It's just well, then you have of... something like Master, which is set at not Harvard. Yeah, sure, sure. I love that. I love a not Harvard movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I th- even like. Uh, what about what's the dear, one? Dear with... White People's kind of at a not real ivy league both tv and show and movie what's the one with joshua jackson skull skull uh skull and bones is the real society i think it's just called the skulls is that at yale or is that harvard i think also a fake ivy league i think okay. not a real school in the it's movie. at all of them yeah <laughs> well it is all at all of them because they're all the same but hey, hey and no by faster... the way if you tell them in england that oxford and cambridge are the same they'll fight you they will mm-hmm. i'd they're... like to see an englishman try to fight me yeah they're they're wrong and I'd, they'll lose i'd pay money to see that he'll throw boiling tea at you <laughs> <laughs> of, no. of course i say that and who... <laughs> you have to dodge crumpets and... <laughs> of course i'm talking shit i'll fall fight any englishman some big catch wrestler walks out okay never mind i take it back <laughs> some soccer hooligan yeah, I mean, yeah. football hooligan yeah <laughs> excuse me <laughs> How do we get back to Harvard? I don't know. Who I cares? don't want to go. I don't want to go. And that's what this class would be about. Like, you don't need to go to these dumb schools. I don't mean, unless you want to be a war criminal, you don't need to go to one of these schools. Yeah. Uh, but I think the way that we engage with it in media is interesting because especially this film, Legally Blonde, like it is a film that doesn't really put a lot of premium on the institution, but it knows the institution puts a lot of premium on itself. Mm-hmm. And I think L kind of undercuts it at every turn. I think that's what's part of the charm of this movie is she will not let these old fuddy-duddies get in her way. And maybe uh, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get down to business. But first, Dustin, 
how would you teach Legally Blonde? What kind of class would you build around it? I don't know if I'd do block one or block two of your class, uh, because I have a very, very related syllabus oh, okay, uh, cool. for you. And that is the uh, Cinematic Explorations of Academia. Mm, and nice. so less Harvard-specific and more just the ways in which just we wrestle college. with just the, the hierarchies and that kind of stuff. I really do love the competitive nature that we see uh, comedically represented, but we can sort of see the real life, this is a thing that would happen mm-hmm. uh, with the, the competitiveness between the various law students there at Harvard. And so I think it's a good place to start. You've already mentioned The Master, and I want to mention that movie because I think it's an interesting way to think about undergrad school and race. And you guys talk about it being not Harvard, but it seemed to me to be more of a New England, I mean, definitely in New England, but more of a liberal arts school to mm, my mind. Yeah. I'd have to rewatch the movie. It to is know. a liberal arts school. Okay. Um, and so, but... That, it's um, not an Ivy in that? I thought it was an Ivy for some reason. I, no. oh, okay. I, I haven't I, seen I, it. I only saw it the once, and so I... Yeah. I think it is all of the things. Don't hold, I think that it needs to be. Don't yeah, comment sure. race and class. And, don't don't yeah, hold me too gotcha. close, yeah. Uh, then the great creme de la creme of all English professors who must always recommend this film whenever they get the chance. That's Dead Poets Society. Yeah, I knew it. I knew, because, it. I knew that's what you were going to say. Well, yeah, because we got to talk about high school a little bit, prep school. Do we? Uh, I, I, you got to cement the canon? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yes, for for both Robin Williams and for Walt Whitman, and uh, oh, you want to die? <laughs> he is trying to get a good one to get a rise out of you. Yeah, he's he's coming for it. <laughs> he's picking a fight. Yeah, he but wants I, that smoke. <laughs> I like that movie a lot. The other high school movie, I think, a prep school movie, would be If Lindy Anderson's If, uh, okay. which would also be an interesting ride. Yeah, it is uh, for that. And then the final, uh, a more recent film, the most recent film. Um, I think we look at white noise and think about the faculty in particular sure, uh, sure. with white noise. And <laughs> I just immediately went to the Michael Keaton ghost movie. Oh, um, from like 2000. Fuck, white what noise. What is that called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one. Yeah. I, I couldn't even think of the title of it. Yeah. Isn't there. Kiefer Sutherland does like a sequel. Like, oh, that's right. It's the sequel. I was thinking there's just a similar movie he does. I forgot he fully oh, does. Oh, maybe. Do a there sequel. is a sequel. Maybe he does something separate. Sorry. He, no, yeah. it's totally fine. That's just where my head went immediately, though. <laughs> no, I'm doing a so Noah Baumbeck on oh, this yeah. one. Yeah. yeah, you are. Uh, and mostly just because of that incredible Adolf Hitler meets Elvis Presley uh, co tag teamed lecture, lecture which really is the, the most madness thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Kind uh, of a not entirely successful movie with like five really good scenes right and the yeah. good, on all the really good scenes are sort of academia hinged and that i was including the the end credits <laughs> oh, okay well i will include yeah i'll give you the end credits yeah. so we got academia hinged and supermarket yeah i kind of like the uh the stuff when they're at the um the simulation of the uh the disaster response people. the escape in the car is a hoot yeah the floating yeah. of the river that's good stuff yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's an okay movie but weird movie, weird movie, very okay. Maybe want to read the book. But uh, exploring again, sort of these uh, ways in which there is competitiveness and mm-hmm. sometimes teamwork within faculty, competitiveness and teamwork within students. Also, the ways in which uh, they can find themselves as antagonists one to another, and the ways in which uh, class and culture and at times race play in that. I think that'd be a lot of fun uh, to use that in kind of one of those like themes and films. I mean, I would know what kind of course we would have to do this thing in um, mm-hmm. if you and I were co-teaching this course, Dalton. I assume we are. Yeah. yeah uh, we would have to sort of set it up as this is going to be just... Take our college class on college movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it, but maybe a class on just like themes and movies. Sociology of the college film? Sociology yeah, exactly. of the college film. Something like that. Yeah. I, but I get what you're saying. Like, There's something interesting about not not just the Ivy League approach, but like how in media we kind of deal with this phase of life that some Feels people go through. Feels very meta. Yeah. yeah, taking that class. Yeah, and those will be two parts of it. You could probably cross list it as an ed course, honestly, mm-hmm. and then do just movies. You know, and we could do some other sort of Mister Chips yeah. and Stand and Deliver and those kinds of yeah. you know uh, the heroic teacher movies as well for a different Dangerous module. Minds. You're right yeah, though. Yeah. This does feel like a class you would take at Greendale. It is a little meta. Yeah, it's sort of high concept for a class. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And we're full circle. I believe that is the announcement that we must get down to business. It's business. It's business time. I don't know what you're trying to say. You're trying to say it's time for business. It's business time. Ooh, it's business. It's business time. I don't know. So what do we need to talk about? There's spoilers in this movie. Uh, Elle Woods like, gets to try a case before she graduates law school because and she's such a badass. Is that a Massachusetts law? I don't even know. But I don't I, care. I don't care. I'm either. not going to read the books. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm not going to look up Massachusetts state law. <laughs> but I, 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 There's some she... nerd on YouTube who has, though. Oh, uh, you bet you they have, yeah. And uh, But I remember thinking to myself, I didn't care. I mean, they read a heart. They, they I, I got the off. same place you guys did. Yeah, but yeah. as soon as Elle's walking in as her, as her attorney, went, she can't do that. 
Oh, they wrote that in, did they? Okay. Uh, I mean, the, I that's know, if you can represent yourself at a trial, I don't know why you can't have this kid do it. You, uh, Dustin's right, though. The screenplay does like totally head you off at the pass. As soon as you're like, wait a second, she's still in school. The movie goes, ah, we, we thought about it. <laughs> we got this. <laughs> don't worry. Oz Perkins has here to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> Good moment for him. Yeah, it's very, very fun. Uh, what else? Uh, yeah, Victor Garber. What is the professor's name? Not important. But yeah. he makes pass at her, and which is just yeah, so out of left mis- field. Yeah, oh, misunderstood it, by Selma Blair, as yeah. thinking she's sleeping her way to the top, yeah. and then she gets to feel all bad for making assumptions about the blonde. Which I think is the un- I mean, so let's, let's talk about the sort of uh, sexual politics first, I guess, since we're kind of touching on that. The, the okay, movie sure. definitely is sort of you know h- hitting on some pretty serious issues and situations there yeah. the ways in which uh if you don't belong to the right club the like you know you don't make the right first impression you don't have the the right name or mm-hmm. whatever in these sort of environments the ways in which those you know meritocracies is just in there's no chance of that ever happening and uh it's it's, it's weird to watch a movie in which uh you know you have to sort of you know take it or whatever you you know whatever you can get again it's sort of uh requite the sexual advances of a superior in order to make it a sort of the assumed thing there. And Reese Witherspoon, of course, does not do so uh, in the film. But it, it's weird to me, I guess, to see the film, to see how lightly she can reject all of those things without a lot of consequences. Yeah, you know? the def- and I think Arthur's right to bring up it's weird that it happens in the movie, and not just because it's like a real issue, but mm-hmm. it, it's a real issue that it doesn't want to spend a lot of time on. And you're right. Like yeah. that's going to create a lot of problems. Right. Yeah. Right. Like it's good that she stood up for her convictions and like asserted her autonomy, but also he's, you know, the most powerful man on campus. Maybe yeah, he's like other not than... the head of the law department, but is like hot shit. Yeah. And the law the staff, he's but, like you know, the best defense attorney in the County or something. Apparently. Or but also yeah. she's got, um, Holland Taylor in her back pocket, you know, as mm-hmm. the not gross professor who's, cheering her on yeah. so but yeah it's, i get what you're saying it's like this is like a very real serious issue that's gonna like create have ram- ramifications or right. repercussions yeah and again the, the movie is <laughs> is sort of you know gesturing at that kind of thing and the other thing is just sort of watching this sort of uh set of assumptions being placed on people these stereotypes and the ways in which they're sort of uh, a set of shackles for them but it's all in this what's all in the upper class it's all for very very rich white people and it, it there's a, there are moments where it's hard to have a whole lot of sympathy. Yeah, you know, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that is the thing. It it's the f- challenge of making a hyper rich girl mm-hmm. be so empathetic to the audience by having to deal with other hyper rich people. Yeah, worse rich people. Yeah, like yeah. old money's just worse than. You, whatever you are, you know, like yeah, West Coast draft. It's sure. an interesting nuance, right? I think, uh, let me see if I, I think I wrote it down. I did. It's called Max Teeth is the YouTube channel. But yeah, the the episode or is or the video is entitled Class and Generational Wealth and Legally Blonde. And yeah, it kind of digs into this. And it is an interesting quirk of the screenplay where it, it's sort of like that's how it gets out of maybe the audience not being able to find their empathy for Elle. It's just like, well, what if she has to deal with these assholes? Like, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, what it's trying to do, and I, and I think, again, we, Reese Weatherspoon sells this. Is she, she turns herself into the pick on kid she mm, turns yeah. herself into josie grossy she's bullied and she, she's she, made fun of and, yeah and so she well, bonds with somebody else who is like kind of similarly looked down on by their peers you know the os yeah. perkins character yeah so, so Did, becomes, would you say he's danny the dork in the credits or i think he's dorky danny or something dorky like that. that's so funny i saw that somewhere on imdb or wiki i thought that's how he's credited love yeah. it but it's, it basically ends up becoming a makeover movie just a brain makeover movie Right or or academic credential makeover. Yeah, movie. I was gonna yeah. say because we, we established she's, she's pretty bright early yeah. and often that she's, she's very bright. She's yeah. a 4.0 fashion design or whatever. Yeah. You know, right? Nobody takes her degree seriously. Yeah, even though she does, and she's yeah. very proud of what she's accomplished. Yeah. Right, and and rightfully so. Yeah, I think going back to or, or, I don't know, are we still here on this? Do I? Are we, we still on this class thing? No, we move yeah. on. No, I mean, we can circle back to it. We well, I, was say, I, was, I was thinking back to the Garber thing, because I think the way to rectify that is it's they lean so heavily into Ali Larder knows he thinks she's guilty. Mm-hmm. And they lean so heavy into that, that that feels like the more natural place to create the rift mm-hmm. rather than going into the 
the come on. Oh yeah, 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 yeah right. Yeah, the sort of sexual harassment. Yeah, lot, I yeah. think you, you're absolutely right. I think there's there's room in the screenplay to find a a break or a rift or a conflict without yeah going into something so real. Because again, that's you know very real. Uh, yeah. Sort of faculty abuse is something that happens a lot um, and is yeah. a real problem. So yeah, it, it's not even that the film like handles it poorly. It just like I nonchalant. get what you're saying. It's it's nonchalant, yeah, yeah in a way that kind of doesn't breathe. It's it's trying to make that encounter fit the tone of this film. Mm-hmm. And while it might succeed in tonally making it work, doesn't mean like it thematically like works at a larger level. You know what I mean? That's I th- I'm, I'm totally getting where you're coming from, Arthur. Uh, I don't know. You kind of brought this up, Dustin, sort of, and, and Arthur. I guess you talked about it too. This um, the ways in which people are being undercut. It's all like amongst this this upper class, right? And I think the one place where it doesn't do that is with Enrique, uh, oh, okay, right? Yeah, Which, yeah, yeah. So we can get to. This. I thought we were gonna go to the nail salon, but yeah, Enrique. Oh, I guess we can get well, well, and then we'll go to the nail salon. Yeah, yeah. But okay. let's do Enrique first because that joke. You know, uh, real two thousand one stuff. Straight men recognize the article. You know, gay men will know the man, uh, the the designer, right? Yeah, is, is or some version of that is the line. Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. She busts Enrique makes some comment about her Prada shoes, and uh, those are so last season. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, oh, he couldn't possibly be uh, a straight a straight man. <laughs> yeah, it's just like real two thousand one <laughs> bullshit. Well, it's really, I mean, really before the rise of the the idea of the metrosexual, right? Sure, the sure. culture stylish straight man yeah which really comes into vogue in the early aughts yeah yeah Yeah, you're right and i I think it's a super super stereotype joke i absolutely agree with you on that but i do think uh, it's not a mean-spirited joke is what the the, sort of the point i was trying to make before it's not it it, it doesn't seem to be this is it seems to be the the kind of joke that when they were working at it in the in the screenwriting room that they said well we need to tell this joke a couple times to some of our other LGBTQ plus friends and see if they laugh too. Mm. And they probably did. I get what you're saying. You, you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't come across as like to, and I think cool. the, the, like the final punchline of the bit of his, his partner being in the, uh, the courtroom and the, you, you, yeah, what's your boyfriend's name is how uh, Luke Wilson like gets it out of him. <laughs> Such a good uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. You bitch. Like, okay, it's, it's pretty good. That's like, that's a pretty good bit. Like where, where it ends up. But yeah, it's just like, Oh man, really? Is this working? It's just you. I agree. The movie's done so well up to that point, and you know we always talk about comedy aging like milk, and uh, for 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 it to like whiff at the eleventh hour. But again, I think Arthur's right. Like even before that, it kind of fumbles with the Victor Garber yeah. sexual harassment subplot. So it's but that's you know, it's not without its problems. But that's less in the high class sort of area. This is the pool man as well, and yeah. so definitely more working class. And the other exactly. working class character we see is our, Paulette. Our, Paulette in our nail salon. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, she gets her justice, and that's 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 a good time She there. gets the dog. She does yep. get the dog. She gets the dog. She gets that hot UPS guy. Due to habeas corpus. Um. <laughs> it's a really funny bit. <laughs> for, uh, yeah. for just saying legal terms. I also thought to myself, I think maybe Reese Witherspoon is committing a crime right now. <laughs> yeah, impersonating an attorney. Yeah, I was like, I, I don't know that this is, but I didn't, I didn't care because it was hilarious. It's a very good bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. It, the, the Enrique stuff's fine, you know? It's kind of gross, but whatever. And it, it is interesting that we really do only get sort of those two working-class characters in the the whole entirety of the film, and we right. don't really... I guess the UPS Not a himself, lot of working-class yeah. people at Harvard. No. Well, or, out, unless they're working the grounds. Or... Yeah. It needs it needs somebody. It needs the Paulette, though. Like, right? Yeah. The movie is desperate for well, where's, where's Matt Damon when you need... No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> He's empty in trash cans. He's in another hall. Yeah, he's in the math department. Yeah, so he's, he's... <laughs> he's doing math. <laughs> two plus two is four. <laughs> uh, right. So the other thing I was thinking about with this movie is we we talked a little bit about you know class and character and these stereotypes. It, it seems to be that, that this is where it's again. You think about it, it might kind of break a little bit here. But the 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 major sort of thrust thematically of the film is to not sort of make assumptions about a person based on appearances. Yeah. And so the appearance that, uh, you know, again, the sort of uh, presentation that Elle Woods has, uh, Reese Witherspoon's character has, is one of Malibu Barbie. Mm-hmm. And that, therefore, she is this, that, and the other. Um, as you pull up Meredith Scott Lynn, what is her character name? Enid. Uh, Enid, thank you. Uh, the assumption that she's a lesbian, you know. It, mm-hmm. You know, these these kinds of things that we do 
when we just look at people, you're not sell, you know. And then the, the, the assumptions even made by the Southern California family. It's like if you go to Harvard, you're going to be a brain, and you're not going to find you a man. You're a dirty lawyer. Yeah, you know, it's like <laughs> her dad's distaste of lawyers is very funny. <laughs> yeah, her dad having a drink at the graduation it's ceremony. Good. It's, it's so like a classic Hollywood lush joke. Like <laughs> so stupid. Oh, I thought but I like it, it feels like a Romeo Michelle type, like yes. not yeah, sequitur, like a Simpsons inspired. Yeah, bit very silly, and I like it. And so it, it really is trying to hit that kind of stuff on you. Mm-hmm. Make these assumptions about these people, and you shouldn't judge a book by its cover. Totally. Which is, I mean, yeah, great. Uh, here's the thing that it it's, it makes it again difficult for me. We talk about sort of sympathy for these sort of high class folks. The other thing is, um, it. it it becomes a movie about sort of like reverse prejudices. You know, it's like, you know, poor people get, you know, you, you look, you look like, you know, your stuff's all grody and ratty or whatever. And they assume these things about your education or, or your wealth or, you know, your general moral character. And it's like, well, let's do that. But rich people and pretty yeah, and wealthy. And I'm just like, I, great, because people will see this, mm-hmm. but also... I don't know. No, I get what you're saying. Like, I'm thinking specifically of this moment where her and Luke Wilson are are walking together, and they sort of like talk about this being the central conflict of the movie. Like, they they there's a scene that almost kind of highlights. I can't remember the exact dialogue exchange, but is sort of something to the effect of like, "Yeah, you're being picked on because you're blonde. Like, big deal." Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, "Yeah, blonde people get made fun of, and assumptions made about them." And while it is, I agree, generally good for the films, like primary ethos to be don't judge a book by its cover it is again like a big rich people problems movie yeah at the end of the day and that is sort of an interesting it is so much is hung on reese witherspoon's performance truly and mm-hmm. it is kind of a testament to like what a good performance it is that like you are able to care about the struggles of deeply wealthy l woods <laughs> And I don't know that it's all bad because, no. I, again, think about the audience. Uh, and again, I'm not going to generalize about the audience, but you might assume that this audience would be less interested, per se, in the struggles of a young African American man growing up on, you know, in Oakland or something like that, and the, the the sort of racial assumptions and profiling that he might experience in his life. Damn, I am thinking about somebody watching Legally Blonde and then putting on Kendrick, though, now because you said that, uh, and I think. That th- three of those people are around this table. <laughs> anyway, there's a Venn diagram. There is a Venn diagram. Saying. Yeah, but sorry, you, carry you know, on. You, you know what I'm saying? But and so that movie would be an exercise and is an exercise in empathy as well. Mm-hmm. Yet this is the exercise in empathy. This might be as far as the needle can go for some folks at a time, and it might help the needle go further forward. So I don't want to sort of level this as a criticism, like ah, oh, this movie's garbage because it's like ah, oh, maybe feel sorry for you know. You know, this poor white girl is getting, you know, suffering some forms of discrimination. It, I don't think that's all bad because I, it does help people realize, hey, you know what? That's just not okay. Now, if we can learn to apply that to people who don't look like us. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, don't, I don't know if the movie goes anywhere for that. But, no, definitely not. But the, does the, I guess the question is, does the, does the movie need to? I mean, it's sort of exceptionally white in sort of only oh, the way that, like, movies of this era are. Mm-hmm. I guess not just this era, but, like, oh, yeah. the John 80s, Hughes 90s. The 80s, yeah. yeah. Well, next week's movie also, like, sure. suffers from this problem a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think we talk a lot about, like, what is the responsibility of mass media? And especially when we're talking about Hollywood productions, you know, this has become much more in, in vogue to, like try and make gestures towards like equity and inclusion and that stuff's important. But even, you know, if you you go looking in the right place, you'll find very smart people being like, come on, it's not this. We all know that this is not the end all be all. Yeah. It's, it's about like who's getting to make movies, who's getting to tell stories. And at the end of the day, like, you know, while we pine for the bygone era of the weekend multiplex, you know, uh, sort of six movies opening, no telling what's going to be number one at the box office, you know, a, a great time to be had by all. It's, it's not all four quadrant entertainment. There's a movie for everybody. We lament this passing a lot, but at the same time, this era kind of going to the wayside means there's more niche filmmaking opportunities for people to tell their stories. Like right. you don't get elegance, Bratton, elegance, Bratton's the inspection in 2002 right you just you just don't no uh so this changing film 
landscape that we're in like I, I think legally blonde is like a really good place to look at i mean this era of movies is a good place to look at because it's kind of nobody knows what's around the corner yet right. in this era i think the other big thing here is it's kind of hard to forget you you're not you still don't see a ton of movies but comedies opened with a female lead totally yeah Correct. And I think that, you're right to bring that up. Yeah, and I think that, and just part and parcel with what Reese has worked for over the last 20 years, I think to be more inclusive, you know, female sets and yeah. female crew, and and really trying to lead a, lead the way there behind the scenes. Yeah, I think speaks to some of her effort to breaking new ground and inclusion. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. she's working as Absolutely. a producer, right? Yeah. yeah, big time. I mean, obviously... We don't see her a I mean, she does a few things here and there, but I mean, big yeah, she's... Lies, right? Financing stuff, yeah. she's producing stuff, and yeah. Just, I mean, a whole bunch of stuff. And I, yeah, I think her career, and I think the film itself can be kind of a gateway drug to empathy that a kid could get from this to uh, Good Kid, Bad City, uh, to go yeah. back to Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. They could they could get there from there, but it doesn't necessarily direct them there. But no. I don't I don't know that the movie needs to do that no. either. No, I, you know, it's, we expect more out of movies now because they're not what they used to be, mm-hmm. I think, because they are a much... They feel like a bigger time investment. They feel like a bigger ask in sort of the streaming era. Yeah, well, so, in the TikTok era. And yeah. it feels like yeah. there's less excuses. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Which we is always good. say it's of its time and there were hindrances and there were things, but there's really, you know, more accessibility to making, you know, to the means of production mm-hmm. and the ability to tell those stories and yeah. places mm-hmm. to put those stories. Totally. But I think you're right, Dustin, to at the same time acknowledge, like, historically, like, what's going on 20 years ago and, like, sort of where the film industry's at. It's in a very classical mode. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's chugging along and doing its kind of very, you know, the 90s were the 50s sort of thing, right? We right. haven't... What year? What month is this? This is a summer release, right? It comes out two months before 9-11. That's why I knew. I thought it was probably right before. Gracious goodness me. I'm telling you, there is a book to be made about all the movies that were released from January to September and all the movies that were Came released from the next September year. to the next yeah. September. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's wild, I'm sure. It's fascinating. Uh, this movie was made for $18 million, made 141. God, just impossible. I mean, of course they sequel, make a sequel. Yeah. Got a musical. Yep. Got a direct-to-video spinoff sequel, Legally oh, Blondes. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, massive hit. Huge hit. Yeah, colossal. Have, I mean, launches Reese. Are you at all familiar with the book that's based on? No, I forgot I, it was based on a book. I knew it was based on a book. Yeah, I was. I forgot that, that information. There was a book at yeah. all. Yes, I don't know anything other than inspired that. by the author's experience at Stanford yes. as oh. a female blonde. Yeah, uh, law as, student as a yeah as a assumably very attractive and cool law student. Gosh, what a struggle. Mm-hmm. Which, again, we've already addressed those issues, yeah. so no need to circle back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, are there other big themes that we want to sort of touch on before we start rendering a verdict on the Legally Blonde? Uh, you know, the patriarchy be pitting women against each other, right? That's yeah. sort of like what's going on with the Vivian L. Woods subplot, right? And they have to, like, come together and decide that Warner sucks collectively. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know... Yeah, we'll have a top girl, but there can be only one. It's Highlander now, yeah. yeah. So and and yet while we have that kind of great note of like well that's bad and we shouldn't let that be part of our society we have to end we are obligated to end with a hetero wedding right <laughs> even if it's a postscript and not actually happening on screen you have to know that Luke Wilson's going to propose to L tonight it's like okay whatever it's funny that the just let the her graduate just let her graduate law school damn yeah. well they do it off screen though as well I mean it is a postscript thing and. This is one of those things where I'm more willing to forgive the times. Like, I know what that audience in 2000 is expecting from its romantic, you know, again, sort of female-led comedies. They're expecting it to be kind of rom com And the movie kind of refuses to be a rom-com all the way through. That's true. And I guess I, I want to stick to those guns. Yeah, you yeah know? I, I, I would prefer that as well. But I, at the same time, I'm like, you know what? I can. I guess I can forgive it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you. I see it as a total error. But I'm like, you know what? There's going to be a number of people who are going to put five instead of four stars on this movie walking out for their test groups if they have that stinger. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's, and, and that's, that is a test. Yeah. That, that is a... They gave a two-point higher rating on the test, co- test scorecard. Jeez. Yeah, I if, get you. If they get together. Yeah. And that's that's just a thing that, you know, again, producers pay attention to. Which, I mean, no, no. I, I agree with you. I, I'd rather not have it, but... No. I no, I think it. you make a good point. Um, I don't know. Uh, Bruiser 
barking at the Taco Bell dog. That's something. I don't know what it means, but there, there's some, <laughs> there's some simulacra simulation <laughs> shit going on there. There was a time, my friends. <laughs> yeah. God, what a weird era. Yo Quiero Taco Yo Bell. Yo Quiero Taco what Bell. World. Carlos Alas Rocky from N- Reno 911 himself. Uh, <laughs> funny. Taco Man. Bell dog. Mosquito. God. Everybody had to have a cute mascot. Mm-hmm. What does it mean, Dustin? Tell me, tell me what are the semiotics of Bruiser barking at the Taco Bell dog? Nope. I like, uh, it is fun that Bruiser's a lie detector. Yeah. Yes. yes. There's a couple of bits where Bruiser speaks up to mm-hmm. call uh, call people on their uh, lies. Yeah. Which is a fun little thing. Just good dog acting at a Bruiser. Yeah. Some yeah. Cute face it covers. Gets the card. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time. Good dog. All right, well, let's, um, I am not going to do Baudrillard. So uh, with that, we're going to do, uh, rather than that, we'll do our thumbs up, thumbs No. Been there, shelf, done that. Shelf or trash. That's what we're doing. You're going shelf. reversal, yeah, final, final rating for the film. Fi- yes, shelf or trash. Legally Blonde, Arthur Go. Yeah, I think I would very lightly put it on the shelf. I like it. <laughs> I, and I think it's just of an era, uh, and I would probably put it, uh, I don't know, next to uh, Happy Gilmore and... Uh, Miss Congeniality, it's just, it is what it is in, in this thing. I think it's fun, and uh, man, Reese is just so good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Very good, very good. What do you say, Dalton? I've, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of right with Arthur. It's, you know, I'm not immediately slamming it on the shelf, but it's, yeah, I, I, it reminds me of a time when I, a different, a bygone era of film watching, you mm-hmm. know, of going to the video store and all, all that bullshit, and I don't know, I'm charmed by it in that in that way, and I'm, I'm charmed by Reese Witherspoon endlessly, like, <sighs> What a what a fun actor! Just love her. Like Wild, that's a weird movie. That uh, gosh, you remember that one? Oh yeah, about her walking. I never saw it, but I, I know what you're I talking know what about. You're talking about yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it sort of like oftentimes sort of parlayed or, or partnered with uh, Into the Wild mm-hmm. as uh, like a good pair, like a dude going off and a yeah. girl going off kind of movie. Yeah, yeah. interesting movie. And, you know, that's you know, Reese being in, in like real serious actor mode. Mm. So yeah, you put you put this and Wild on the shelf next to each other. And that's a fun double feature. I that think. is a good time. Yeah, that's a good time for me, baby. Yeah, that's what I'm into. Dustin, what about you? Do, you? do you think this earns its place as a, you know, the heights of art studio comedies? So this is the first time I've seen the movie. Really? Okay. I had never seen it before. And I, I feel as though when you were talking about Sandler movies and comedies, I feel like it is of a piece. It is of the same quality of those Jim Carrey comedies, those Adam Sandler comedies, yeah. those Chris Farley movies of the decade prior. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wasn't watching those movies when this one came out. So it didn't. it wasn't there for me then. And as I watch it now, I go, this could have been on my shelf, is what I want to say. Mm-hmm. If I'd watched this movie in 2001, if I was catching yeah. movies at that time, then probably this would have been one of them. But I wasn't. So as I am now, I'm like, I'd stream it. That's I, fair. I, I don't think, I mean, you know, trash insofar as I wouldn't shelf. This but... is not going to shift anybody's perceptions of cinema or movies. Yeah, no. I don't think yeah. so. And yeah. I don't think Reese, comedy. With, Reese Witherspoon doesn't need the residuals, you know. But I think it is, right. I think it has all the, the, the things it needs. It's the great charismatic performance, mm-hmm. uh, the perfectly uh, cast set of supporting roles. Mm-hmm. It has the quotable lines. Uh, again, if I saw the movie more times, I would have it. Uh, and so it does all those things that these kinds of movies need to do right. But it just it didn't, I didn't catch it the right time. Fair so enough. That's, hey. that's it for me. Totally fair. Totally fair. So, uh, so we're probably wrong. Yeah, probably. About, about everything. About a great number of things. Typically. Ne- nearly all the things. And we probably want to give an opportunity for people to give us corrections. And Dalton's going to tell you how. I sure am. If you want to tell us your thoughts on Legally Blonde, uh, what does it mean? Uh, how do you feel about it? Are we dumb? Are we wrong? Correct. Should we have been kicked out of Harvard Law? We all were. We, we didn't even make it to the admissions yeah, panel. Yeah, we, we were not even waitlisted, guys. Yeah, I uh, hate to break it to you. Uh, yeah, tell us what you think. GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. Send us your L. Woods admission video. Uh, GoodTrashGenreCast at gmail.com. <laughs> what have you done? Maybe one of the best jokes of the movie is the cut to the admissions board after the end <laughs> yeah. of her, her video her essay. It's a good joke. It's so funny. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. I admire the ambition of Elle Woods. That's what I'll say. I don't really admire ambition as a character trait in anyone, let alone fictional characters, but I admire Elle Woods, damn it. Uh, <laughs> and you, that's goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com if you want to tell me what you, you, what you admire about Elle Woods. Uh, if you want to find us on social media, you can find us at goodtrashmedia. Uh, that's at goodtrashmedia on Twitter. Uh, we're not active anywhere else, really, so don't go looking for us. I think there might be a defunct Insta, but, you know, it's not getting updated. Uh, last but certainly not least, if you want to pick a movie for us to discuss, just like Becca did, uh, for this very episode, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM and find out 
uh, how to do that. It's uh, just you, you throw some shekels in our bucket and you get to pick a movie for the show. Uh, if that tier is a little too high for you, well, you know, you can pick the tier that uh, we send a movie to you. And, uh, you know, that's fine, too. If you don't want either of those things, you can send, give us less money than that. And, you know, just get access to our back catalog of bonus content uh, going back several years. Uh, haven't made anything in a while. but I've made anything in a while, but we've been doing this for maybe 10 we'll, years. Yeah, we'll, maybe we'll get a fire under our asses and uh, do some more bonus content at yeah, some point. maybe. You never know. Uh, but there's a ton on there already if you want to check that out. Uh, so that's patreon.com forward slash GTM to find out how you can pick a movie for the show. Arthur... I know next week that we're going to be continuing this journey uh, through studio comedies. That's true. Uh, we're going back in the, the in the time machine 10 years, though, right? Uh, 11 years, actually. Yeah. Uh, next week, uh, we look at the definitive 1990s rom-com. The highest grossing rom-com of all time, I'm pretty sure. That established Julia Roberts as a box office legend. That's right. It's Pretty Woman. Such a great movie. Cue the Roy Orbison. Time. Yeah, cue the Orbison. It's a good time. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Uh, you keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>